My name is David Wing, and I've had the honor of pastoring the Dover Foursquare Church for almost 25 years. We have targeted our gatherings to minister to the Lord, the saints, and the world. First, through singing, praise, and receiving the word, we pursue ministering to Him. Second, we pursue interactive involvement with each person present. Fellowship before and after the service helps, but each believer must be personally involved if he is to become equipped to fulfill his role as an agent of Jesus in life's marketplace. We want to be a congregation that gives place to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We want to be a congregation committed to the systematic and edifying teaching of God's Word. We want to be a congregation devoted to the exercise of Holy Spirit-inspired worship. It is our prayer that the message you hear today will assist you in realizing the possibilities God has for you and that your journey with him will be one of abundance because that's what you're doing you're building your church the ecclesia the uh, gathering of people not buildings and structures but people living stones and you're building it in an awesome way lord and sometimes our eyes don't see like you want us to see it lord But in these days, Lord, in these past weeks, there's been so much that's been shared about what you want to do, what you're going to do, Lord, and we're just glad to be a part of that here at Dover Foursquare. We thank you, Father, for your presence here in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. In your bulletin, there's a mission statement. Have you seen that? Do we have a bulletin up here for me? I forgot to bring mine. There's a mission statement. Thank you so much. I'd like you just to open it up and just read that. I was talking with Pastor last Wednesday night, and I'd like to encourage you all uh, to come out on Wednesday nights. Uh, Pastor's been doing a teaching series on that the core values of the, of the Dover Foursquare Church, or of the Foursquare Church in general, some very good teaching, uh, some solid things for us. Um, we have it also available on the website. You can go there and listen to it, or we have CDs if you need that. But good teaching on Wednesday night, building something. How many of you realize that in these days when everything around is shaking, how many know we need a good foundation to stand on? So we need, in fact, we need to dig a little deeper and lay that foundation on solid rock. So I'd like us just to do this, if we could, um, the Dover Foursquare mission statement right there in your bulletin. Can you just read it with me? Pastor said that uh, probably about five or six years ago, both uh, Pastor Dave uh, Wing and Dennis Shear developed this statement, and I think it's good. I think we need to take some time just off and on, remind ourselves what we're doing here. Are we here in Sunday church because, I mean, if we're not here, they'll call us up on Sunday, uh, next day? <laughs> Are we here because, well, you, we got some kind of a duty we want to perform, or is there a purpose? How many would agree there's a purpose? Yes, okay. Let's read this together, okay? Dover Foursquare Church mission statement says this. We, as a body of believers, are called by God to confront every person in our area with the claims of Christ. We are called to build an extended family of related believers where one can find healing from brokenness and be discipled into wholeness and world consciousness. Then it talks about our vision. Our vision is to reach people for Christ and teach them their purpose and destiny. Everybody say purpose. Purpose. Everybody say destiny. Yes. And the rest of it says to see those same people grow and fulfill their destiny, reaching others to ultimately transform our area. How many can say amen? amen. All right. So uh, like I have a PowerPoint I want to put up there. Uh, the, uh, just show something real quickly. How many have seen the Dover Foursquare logo that we used? Uh, the four different things. Do we have it there, Judy? Just the first few. You have to kind of go slow with this. And... Uh, what I want to show is, is, I'm not going to teach on these things, but on Wednesday nights we have been teaching on the, uh, the various things. Is it coming up there or no? <laughs> okay, that's all right. Um, go ahead back to the other screen then. But what I'd like to uh, explain is that uh, last week, in fact, we can pass out some outlines there, maybe while they're working on it. I have a little handout. I didn't, get, I didn't have it in time. I'm not as, hey, we got something. That's still too far though, a little too far. Um, I'm not quite as efficient, perhaps, as Pastor Wing is. He has everything all prepared and given to the office, and they have everything all printed up. By the time I got mine ready, they had already produced the bulletins. So <laughs> that's all right. We'll, we'll work with it. Y'all work with me. 
But uh, the title of my message, kind of, maybe we can call it like part two. Thank you. We're good. Just leave it for there. You have to go slow through it, okay? Window by window. Well, what I wanted to show you is, um, what my message is today is, who is that, who is this woman? Last week, how many remember what Pastor Dave's message was on? Anybody remember last week's message? If you want, we can just put that tape on and listen to that instead. <laughs> All right. Well, I'd encourage you that uh, I, I do work on the website. Now, it's a tool that you can use if you can get there. We do have CDs to, to listen to messages more than once. How many know it? Um, it takes more than one time hearing something to be a disciple of it. That's right. Okay. Um, his message last week, just in case you didn't remember, is, Who are you? Can you say that with me? Who are you? So we learned last week that God's called each one of us to be full-time ministers. Is that right? Yeah, not, not just pew sitters or spectators. I never liked, you know, I, I enjoyed playing football. I played football throughout high school, I, uh, uh, some of the years there. And, and I enjoyed sports. I enjoyed playing it. But for some reason, I never got accustomed to the idea of sitting down and watching somebody else play. <laughs> Nothing wrong with it, but I never got used to it. I'd rather be out there bumping and knocking and tackling. That was more fun for me than actually watching it. But the fact is, is that church, sometimes we can get that spectator sport mentality. God has called us all to be full-time ministers. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Right. And he talked, and what he, the, 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 the word that he gave us last week was awesome. This coming week, uh, Dennis Shear is going to be with us. Uh, and God, he's going to continue speaking on the things God has put on his heart for our church and what God is trying to unfold for us here at Dover Foursquare. It's an awesome thing. So make sure you're here next weekend. Everybody say, I'm going to be here. Right. All right. Let me just show you up here real quickly. We've got the Foursquare logo, and some of you have seen this before. Uh, basically, it's Jesus, our Savior. The next one is Jesus, the baptizer. means baptizer with the Holy Spirit. The next one is... The cup, that's Jesus, our healer. How many know there's healing? How many know he's the same yesterday, today? Look, everybody turn around, look on the wall back there real quick. Can you read that with me? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. See, that's not for you to read. That's for me to keep looking at so I know who I'm talking about. But the thing is, uh, Jesus is a healer. He healed then, he heals today. No difference. The next one, I like this. Jesus, our coming king. How many know he's coming back? All right. Now, what I wanted to show is a revelation that Amy Semple McPherson had was an awesome revelation. And then the time that God gave her this revelation and many other things as well, it was a time, uh, it was amazing that she had the success that God gave her at that time because the idea of being baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, that wasn't a popular theme back in those days. It was kind of like those were the fanatics. And I've talked with some people that were in this church in the very beginning when it was a little white building on this corner. And they said, you know, people... People would laugh and make fun of the people over in that weird church on the corner. They do funny things over there. They talk in other languages. How many are glad you're weird today? Amen. All right. Well, it's just, just that weirdness that God wants to use. But what I want to show is that revelation like that opens up opportunities and helps to see things. But it doesn't stop there. There's more. Just go through one by one. I just want to show you a little development. Each one, not going to talk on these things, but just go through it. Next one. There we go. Keep going. Keep going. He's our Savior, Deliverer, Redeemer. He's the Baptizer with the Holy Spirit. Gifts, power, all these things. Sanctifier, Purifier, Warfare. He's our Healer. Amen, everybody says, right? He's our Healer. He's a Great Physician. He's a Restorer, Creator. We sang about it this morning. Miracle Worker. He's the Coming King. He's coming soon. He's the head of the church, the body of Christ. He's our sovereign. He's the warrior, the conqueror, heavenly bridegroom. Now watch. Each one of those revelations opens up something for us. Now this is just an illustration, okay? We're not trying to get you to save the trees out in the park something. But this, okay, we're real, real slow here now. Wait. What you see there, it looks like a tree out there through that window or through that screen, a tree out in the field. But as more windows open up, all of a sudden we realize what we're looking at is a little bit different. Go ahead. Go ahead. Ah, it's not what you thought it was, is it? All right, you can, you can go ahead and exit out of that one. 
And what I wanted to share about with you today is that sometimes we need to step back and realize sometimes the things we've been looking at and focusing on, maybe there's more that God has. How many could say amen to that? You know, in John 3, on your outlines there, John 3, 3, Pastor Dennis uh, shared on this when he was here about our spiritual vision. The Bible says, or Jesus said, uh, unless a man is born again, he can't see anything. He's blind. And I'd like to share today, if there's anyone here that has not been born again, oh, today is a wonderful day for you. Today is the day. Oh, just to give your heart to Christ. He died for you. He's the time to ask him to come into your life. Today's the best day. Amen. Well, just on your outline there, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Can't see anything. But it's interesting. Paul prayed for believers. Paul prayed for believers in Ephesians chapter 1. Paul prayed for believers and he said, I'm praying that God would open the eyes of your understanding. He would enlighten the eyes of your understanding. So it's one thing to be able to see and have our eyes opened. And how many know you've had little babies? You know that when their eyes are open when they first come out of the womb, but they can't really focus too well. Have you noticed that? It's several, several days or a while before they can actually focus on, on uh, what they need to see. And so there is a, an opening of our eyes that we need God to give us to grow and to see more. And uh, on your outline there, the two words there, did you have the PowerPoint? It's not showing or? Yeah. Um, Our eyes are open when we are born again. Paul prayed that our eyes would be enlightened to know God's eternal purpose. That's in Ephesians, and I have the verses there on your outline. Um, Let me show you something interesting. You know, the only four chapters in the Bible where no sin exists you know what they are? Revelation, Genesis chapter 1 and 2, there was no sin yet. That's before the fall of man. And Revelation 21 and 22. There's no sin in those chapters, is there? Those four chapters. And it's interesting. Let me go to the next screen, point two there. In Genesis 1 and 2, many of the same things you see there are mirrored in Revelation 21 and 22. I wish we had time to look at it all. There's beautiful things there. If you read, especially in Genesis 2, you see what God put in the garden, the things that were there. One of the things that you see both in Genesis and also in the end of Revelation, you just see a river of life. You see a tree of life. Is that right? There's precious stones. You'll see those too. But here's what I want to bring you to. There is a man and a woman in Genesis 2, isn't there? And in Revelation 21 and 22, there is a man and a woman. In Revelation, in Genesis 1 and 2, there's a marriage. And in Revelation 21 and 22, there is a marriage. And it's that marriage that we want to, <clears throat> we want to talk about today. <clears throat> uh, you have to just forgive me. I, I cry a lot. Forgive me. I get choked up and cry, and it's my mom's fault. That's the way she is, too. <laughs> I wasn't like this a long time ago. I think, you know, I wasn't always this weird, but if you see me choke up and gag and cough and just, you know, I'm just going <laughs> to... All right. But there's good things in God's Word, isn't there? That's what I want to show you today. And the next, on that same screen there, God's eternal purpose. You know, uh, we just leave that up there for a while. Um, you know, the, I would like to make, use this illustration that a lot of times our focus isn't on Genesis 1 and 2 and Revelation 21 and 22. Many times our focus starts in Genesis 3 and only goes as far as Revelation 20. Now, what do I mean by that? Revelation 3 is the fall of man, where he fell out of God's purpose, where he disobeyed, where sin began. We oftentimes start our gospel there, and we only oftentimes take it as far as Revelation 20, which is whoever's names are in the book of life, 
And how many know if your name is in the book of life or not today? Okay. Revelation 20 says there's a great white throne judgment. And there's, whoever's name is not found in the book of life, they were cast into the lake of fire. And uh, those who had their names in the book of life, of course, they went on to the rest of the two chapters of, Gen- of Revelation. But we often start with Genesis 3 and only go as far as Revelation 20. And what I mean to say by that is that we, uh, we've kind of taken the gospel, especially in our, our you know, egocentric kind of a society we live in, we've taken the gospel and we've basically made it to meet the needs of man. In other words, you know, man messed up and what you need now is God's solution, forgiveness of sins so you can be, you know, have a normal life again. And that's all right. That is the gospel. How many know Jesus Christ came to save sinners? Yeah, among whom I'm chief, Paul said. And that's very true. But there's more to God's eternal purpose than just washing our sins away so we can live a happy life. God's eternal purpose started before man's fall. Everything in between there is bringing us back again into what his eternal purpose was from the very beginning. How many know God's not a God that plan A didn't work, let me try plan B? How many know God's not like that? Back there it says he's the same yesterday, today. God doesn't, you know, like, oh, why did Adam and Eve, I wasn't expecting that. Adam and Eve caught me by surprise. I didn't realize they were going to, now I got to figure something out. Oh, boy, what can we do, you know? Sometimes we hear the gospel shared like that. Well, you know, God had to figure out some way to help us out because we surprised him with that. God was not taken by surprise. God inhabits eternity, Isaiah fifty-seven fifteen says. He inhabits eternity. And what's beautiful about that is that everything, <coughs> excuse me, everything in God's word is an outflow of what's already in God's heart. That's why we see shadows and types and pictures in the Old Testament. They're not just Sunday school stories. Not bad for me to say as a children's pastor, I guess. But, <laughs> but those Old Testament stories are not just children's stories or history lessons. God didn't give us a history book. He gave us his heart. Everything we see there in Revelation, I'm sorry, Genesis 1 and 2, we see God created man and then created a wife for him. In Revelation 20, we'll look at that in just a moment, but God's purpose is not just to satisfy our need, God's eternal purpose is to satisfy his need. His need, his purpose. Salvation isn't, the Bible says salvation belongs to the Lord. Salvation is not something just to make us feel good. Salvation is to bring us back and make us what God originally intended for us to be. How great a salvation, it says in Hebrews 4, or Hebrews 2. How great a salvation you know, I brought a little map with me. I don't know if this will help a little bit, but let me see here. How many have a GPS? <laughs> Is it upside down? There? I got it right. One, I like GPSs. I like technology, all that, right? I like technology. But the, the, the thing is, uh, one thing about GPS I don't like is that you only see where you're at. You really can't tell where you're going. I mean, there's some data there and everything, but a map kind of shows you the whole picture, doesn't it? And sometimes if we want to go from point A over here to point B over here, we do have to go through the rest of that stuff, don't we? We have to travel through. And what I want to point out is that sometimes we get stuck in that stuff in between point A and B. That's another thing I don't like about maps. They don't fold very well. But between point A and B... This is what God, this is Genesis 1 and 2, Revelation 21 and 22. This is how God sees it. He's eternal. Everything down here is what's all happening, but it's not the goal. This is the goal. Does that make sense? All right, thank you, map. All right, the map, the map, the map. I hear Dora all the time and sing about the map and all. Oh, don't get me started on the map, the map, okay? Okay, so the... But on point three there, what I want to say is that the first marriage in Genesis between Adam and Eve is a 
shadow. I like that word shadow. It's a shadow of the marriage between Jesus Christ and the church. And if you can, I like to look at Revelation 19, first of all. I just want to show you some scripture. We'll just go through some scripture really quick if we can. Revelations 19. Some people are just afraid of the book of Revelation. But it's an awesome book. In fact, it says, blessed is he that reads this book. Revelation 19, verses 7 and 8. Um, okay. Yeah, good. Thank you. Let us rejoice and be glad and give the glory to him. For the marriage of the Lamb has come in his what? Bride hath made herself ready. Verse 8. It was, read it with me, I like this. It was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean. For the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. And then go to Revelation 21. Revelation 21, starting with verse 1. This is right after those whose names were not found in the book of life were cast into the lake of fire. But now, God's purpose continues. What is it? Verse 1. And I saw a new heaven. We got it yet? Revelation 21, verse 1. Well, I'll read it from my King James until it gets there. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, and for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there were no more sea. Verse 2. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven. Listen to this. The New Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven means it's already been prepared. Prepared as a bride. There we go. Let's read this together. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. I think by now you know what my title means. Who is that woman? It's the church. It's the church, the corporate church. Ephesians 5. Well, wait, stay here in Revelations if, if, you, if you can. Um, go down in, in verse 9, Revelation 21, verse 9. One of the angels came to John. John is having this revelation of end times. Well, I would have loved to be able to see what he saw. I would have loved to have seen that. And God, through the Spirit, makes it real to us. How many know these aren't just words? Holy Spirit blows on these things. Life in our heart. Revelation 21, 9. And the last part of it, uh, one, the angel came to John and said, John, come here. I'm going to show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. So John's looking around for a woman, perhaps. Where's that woman? At? And verse 10, what does it say? And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. Next verse, verse 11. Having the glory of God, right? And... Yeah, that's good. And, and having the glory of God, that's good enough, that part there. So here's, he looks around to find a woman, the wife of the lamb, and who does he see? A city. A city that's been built. Let me tell you something today. And one thing I appreciate about Pastor Dennis when he shares even his strategic plan, the whole idea of strategic planning, and, and at first, you first hear it, you go, oh, it sounds like some kind of business meeting, <laughs> Right? But the way Dennis has taken it is a whole different route. He's not trying to take the 10, six, ten steps of success from some other successful church. How many, have got, how many tried reading books of success before? You ever read one of those books? You know, it's, it's always written by someone who already had the success, and he goes back and tries to make money off of that idea. You know? But the, I mean, there might be some methods of success. I don't know. None of them, none of them seem to work for me. But... The, <laughs> But the thing is, is that I don't think Dennis has taken some successful methods and trying to fit us into it. He wants to see what God is doing here, and he wants us to move into that. Doesn't that sound better? I love it. I'm looking forward to these, this coming Sunday, coming, coming week. But the, 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 the thing that we see here is that there, the church is only built by God whose builder and maker is God. Let me just show you a few more verses to show about this woman, because this isn't just a few isolated places. Look with me in, if you will, in, in um, uh, well, 
don't want to go just I have extra verses on the outline, things I wasn't sure I'd get to or not, but I want you to look at Second Corinthians eleven, verse two. Second Corinthians eleven and verse two. Look at the way Paul speaks here. And when Paul talks about the mystery that's been hid for ages, he wasn't talking about the gift of salvation. He wasn't talking about the fact that our sins forgive. In Psalms, David sang about God's forgiveness. Blessed is the man. Psalm 32, blessed is the man whose sins are forgiven. David sang about forgiveness. They understood forgiveness. God is ready for... They had that revelation. What's the mystery that Paul's talking about? He's talking about the mystery of... The great mystery between of the church and Christ. That marriage. Something that they couldn't understand in the Old Testament. It wasn't clear. It wasn't understood. He says, now it's been made known. We're the people upon whom the end of the ages has come. How many of you believe that? We're living in a blessed time. It may seem like a lot of cursing out there, but we're a blessed people here. Does that sound good to you? See, and we're living in the last days. The things that are happening are are amazing to see things unfolding because we're coming to the end. Paul says the mystery that's been hid for ages, it's now been made known. And he says, God made me a steward of that mystery. And my mission is to help all men to see, Paul said, to make all men see what is that mystery, to understand it. And 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2, look what Paul says. This is how he spoke about the church. He says, for I am jealous for you. Let's read it together. For I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. For I betrothed you to one husband that to Christ I might present you as a pure virgin. See, Paul wasn't trying to marry the church to himself and his own personality, was he? How many thank God for Pastor Dave? See, I've worked with a lot of other pastors, and there's some that the church is their own wife. Their church is, I mean, the people they pastor, I mean, they're married to that people, and those people get married to a personality, and when that personality goes, the people go. You understand what I'm talking about? I don't see that here. This is a beautiful place. I see a pastor who has a genuine heart, just like Paul's speaking here. He sees the mission as not what he can accomplish, but rather bringing us to be a spouse, to be joined unto Christ. Ephesians 5, verse 32. And this is the chapter we'll be in just for a little bit here. And, and, and I want you to see something really awesome. And there's so much I, I, I'd, I'd like to get to on, um, in this teaching. In this, but if you can just get an understanding of this wonderful marriage between Christ and the church. It's not enough for us just to have our sins washed and cleansed. That's enough. I mean, a thief on the cross is in heaven today, isn't he? He was washed and cleansed. He went there. I mean, he only had a few minutes. You see? Wouldn't that be nice, right? You don't have to worry about all this stuff down here. No, that's not what it's about. See, uh, he's preparing a people for that city. That city is made out of living stones. And those stones, just like in Solomon's temple, those stones are not, there's no sound of noise once we get to heaven. A lot of people think that, well, you know, just the, you know, doesn't matter how you live down here, boy, in the twinkling of an eye, you'll be changed and you'll be perfect, you'll be right there. No problem, no, no God's not going to ch- do a bunch of noise chipping and blocking and changing. How many know on our little blocks of stone, there's some rough edges? God's not going to chop all those off when we get, there's no sound of a hammer where the temple is going to be built. Those stones were all prepared before they were taken to Solomon's temple. There was no sound of a hammer heard there. This is the time. God has taken all those... Is there anybody here that doesn't have a sharp edge? I want to get close to you. (laughs) You, the, the, The little things in our life, the stuff that's there, God has us with people. He has us. That's why, you know, belonging to a church is so important. It's not the organization. It's what God wants to do through what he's established. And it's not a matter of, uh, of, of, of us just, you know, doing a bunch of stuff. There is a purpose. Did you ever think maybe the person that you really don't like too well in church is the one God wants to use to take care of some things in your life? Did you ever think of that? 
But what do most people do? The moment that something starts rubbing them the wrong way and, oh boy, that lady over there and that man over there and, oh, there's a church down the road. I think it's a little smoother stones down there, you know. That's not the way it works. Well, there might be smoother stones over there, but your rough edges will stay. Think about that. He wants to prepare us. She's a bride prepared for her husband. There's a, we're here for a reason. We're still here. He hasn't taken us up yet. I mean, Enoch walked for 360 years before he was taken up, you know, 300 some years. He walked with God and then he was taken up. Uh, it'd be nice just to go, but there's a work he wants to do in our life because he wants to fit us in that temple. He wants to fit us in that building. You see, part of our mission statement is not just, not only getting people saved, bringing people to Christ, but showing them their destiny. Say that word with me, destiny. Showing them their purpose. Say that word with me, purpose. Ephesians 5 verse 32, Paul says this. It says, this, is it up there? Yeah, yeah, read this with me. This is a great mystery. It's on your outlines there also. This is a great mystery. And what is he speaking about? Christ in the church. The first marriage, point three on your outlines, the first marriage in Genesis is just a shadow of the heavenly. There are a lot of shadows. In, in, in the Old Testament, pictures, the tabernacle, the, 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 we're going to see a few maybe today if we have time, but there's pictures and shadows in the Old Testament that reveal the truths. You know, the thing about a shadow is that if you're walking outside on a sunny day, remember the, the brighter the light, the more clear the shadow, right? And you're walking out on a sunny day and all of a sudden you see a shadow go by on the ground and the shadow kind of has a form of a bird. What do you do? Oh, look on the ground, a bird. Is that what you do? Do you look at the shadow and say, oh, that's a nice bird. I got a bird. Oh, look at him flap his wet. That's a beautiful bird down there. Would you do that? No. What do you do? You, you turn toward where the light's at because that's how the shadow's forming. Wherever the light. And what do you see? The real thing. I think sometimes... Uh, we, we as Christians think that God just used the idea of marriage to, as an, you know, that, that this is heaven, heaven, what's going to take place in heaven is just, you know, God using an earthly reality to show a heavenly fantasy. That's not what it is. The real thing is there, not down here. You know, even, let me just go be a little bit bold on this point that there are marriage counselors that have no idea what the real marriage is because they're looking at the shadow not the reality I don't know about you I don't know that I would go if I was having some marital problems I would not go to a non-Christian marriage counselor I don't think I could do you know let me ask you this if you, if you had heart trouble and you needed heart surgery would you entrust your life to a surgeon who had studied anatomy for years by looking at a shadow would you do that Oh, you wouldn't trust him. The only way we can understand marriage the way God designed it and the way it's supposed to work is by seeing the reality. Seeing the reality. It's a great mystery. And point number six there, I got several things, and I don't know that we'll get to all of these. They're there, and uh, nice thing to study. But the first... It says, the Old Testament pictures unfold God's eternal purpose. The first illustration, the first Old Testament picture, we've already touched on it a little bit, but that's Adam and Eve. I want you to think for a minute about the story of Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, I mean, first of all, God created man, and then God looked at man. What did he say? When he saw Adam there all by himself, poor Adam. And he, God, what did God say? It's not good for man to be alone. And all the men say? <laughs> Maybe some men want to be left alone. <laughs> that could be the problem here. I'm not sure. But God says not good for man to be alone. Now, was God really concerned about animal? Yeah, of course he was. But remember, God inhabits eternity. Remember the map I showed you? God, although God was concerned about what was going on here, it's the purpose behind that was, over, that was overshadowing everything. God's purpose to see a wife for his son, Jesus. Okay. Not good for man to be alone. Oh, I like what happens next. Then God brings all the animals to him one by one and... and, and uh, Believe it or not, Adam named all those animals. 
how that's even possible, I don't even know, except that he had a, he had a brain capacity that you and I don't know anything about. You see, I don't know if any, uh, I think, we have a science teacher here, right? Deb teaches science in high school, Deb's husband, uh, um, Steve. And, you know, I can't remember all those names. Adam named the animals and didn't forget them either. Just because that was before the fall. Now our minds are all messed up, aren't they? But no helpmate was found for Adam among all those animals. And so what did God do? In fact, let's just turn to Genesis 2, if you want. Genesis chapter 2 and, and, and see this picture. What did God do? And, and this has some profound truth to it. We understand. And again, it's not just a story of Adam and Eve and a cute little apple and all those kind of, there were fruit or whatever it was. It's not, this, it's not just a Sunday school story. These are God's eternal purpose, his plans being opened up for us. Revelation Two, well, what did God do? It says in verse 21, the Lord God caused a deep sleep, Revelation, I'm sorry, Genesis 2, verse 21, and the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. Okay, men, I want you to touch your rib for a minute. Are, are you missing one? No, you're not missing a rib, no. But there's something interesting I found out this last week. I think you'd like this, Bill. Did you know that bone people that do bone grafts, the best place to take a bone graft from is the rib because that rib will grow right back. Did you know that? It's like an endless supply of bone. If they know how to take, extract the bone and leave the membrane there, that rib will grow right back. That's an amazing thing. So God knew what part to take, didn't he? Some people say, well, it's a beautiful picture that he took what was closest to Adam's heart. Okay, that's true, too. That's a good point. Look at your wife and say, you're my rib. <laughs> She's going to go like that right in your ribs. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, but the, here's the point. What God did to create Eve was not a separate creation. This is so important to understand. What God did to create Eve. In fact, the word used there, look at verse 22. Verse 22, let's read this. The, read this with me. The Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. I look at your wife and say, well, what a great fashion you have. <laughs> right? But the, the fashion, that word literally in most places in the Old Testament, from what I understand, it's actually translated built. He built Eve. What did he build her out of? He didn't take extra ingredients. It says from the rib. Eve was in Adam before she was created. She was, everything for making Eve was inside of Adam. God took that rib and he didn't have to add anything extra to it. Goes for the church too, doesn't it? We don't need extra elements to build the church. Can you say amen to that? What do we need? Jesus. Jesus. Well, the picture goes right along. When in, in John, it says, in the beginning again, John talks about this new beginning that took place. And as Jesus walked upon this earth, guess what? There was an Eve inside of him also. There was a woman inside of Jesus. And that gives a whole new meaning. As I was thinking about it this week, I, that gives a whole new meaning as the fact that you and I were in Christ before the world began. That gives a whole new meaning to that. Everything that we have, everything, it's all in Christ before the world began. As Jesus walked upon this earth, Eve was there inside of him. But there on the cross, and he was dying to get her out, wasn't he? Literally. On the cross, what did God do? He put Jesus to sleep. His side was pierced. Right? Out of his side came water and blood. God extracted what was necessary to begin building Eve. Oh, that's what you and I are a part of. Jesus went, Jesus went to heaven. He, he rose again from the dead. He went to heaven. And the angels told the men there in the book of Acts, don't, don't be staring up there. The same Jesus that was taken from you, he's going to come back. And on a day of Pentecost, Eve emerges and manifests herself in 3,000 souls. The beginning of the building of that church. How did it begin? Peter asked, 
Peter was preaching to them, telling them about Jesus whom they had pierced, the Bible says. That's what he said. He's the one who you crucified. And the people looked at Peter and said, what shall we do? Peter said, repent. You need to be born again so you can see. Be baptized in water. Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Like Amy Semple McPherson preached, the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And on that day, 3,000 experienced that and Eve began walking upon this earth. Can you say hallelujah? We're a part of that. So important to understand this. There are other illustrations. The next one, I, I just, I'm just going to make in reference to you real quick, but the next uh, Old Testament illustration, we said Adam and Eve. There's Abraham and Isaac. Isaac and Rebecca, I should say. Abraham wanted to find, he, was, he wanted to find a wife for his son Isaac. What did he do? Did he put an ad in a local paper? Did he go to, uh, what is it, Ma- Meet Your Mate website? Or what did, no. What did, Adam, what did Abraham do? He, he took his servant, he took his servant, and he sent him to a distant land. He said, find a wife for my son Isaac. Well, who did the Father send to prepare a bride for Jesus? The Holy Spirit. And that servant went there, and it says when he saw Rebecca, he ran to her. Rebecca offered to give water to all of his camels, a beautiful example of serving. In fact, that was one of the tests that, that the servant, he wanted to say, I want to see if this woman's willing to serve. Will she give water to me and my camels? Well, she did. 300 gallons or more she would have drawn for, for this servant. She was a, and she did it with haste. She was quick to serve. She didn't say, well, you know, let me just talk with some family and maybe I'll put my name on the list later on. She didn't do none of that. She ran to it, a time to serve. The amazing thing is that even though she had never seen Isaac, Whatever that servant must have told her about Isaac, it was enough to make her fall in love with him. Because whenever the servant says, well, now will you go back and marry my master's son, Isaac? She says, I will go. Amen? What's the work of the Holy Spirit to reveal Jesus to us? Jesus said that when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to take of mine and show it unto you. It's important that I go because the Holy Spirit's going to come and show you more about me. Next illustration I'd like to point to is I forgot the verses up there. We get the Jacob and Rachel. You can pull the, the verses down with that too if you want. The next, uh, uh, Jacob and Rachel. Oh, I love this story. And the story of Jacob and Rachel kind of shows how Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. And Jacob had just had his revelation of the house of God being the gateway to heaven. He slept on a rock. That'll give anybody nightmares. And uh, he had this vision, understanding of what really the house of God is. He continued on his journey, and he comes to a well, which is interesting. That's where the servant found a bride for Isaac, at a well also. Jacob comes to a well, and a big stone over it. There were some other shepherdesses that came, and he says, why don't you, you know, what are you doing here? And kind of like, kind of feisty with him, it seems to me there. But all of a sudden, he saw Rachel coming. You know what he did? He started to show off. Any, any of you husbands ever did that for your wives? Did you show off before you married her? What did Jacob do? He went and he took that big stone and he picked it up and moved it off the well and he began to water all of Rachel's uh, sheep that were there, all her father's sheep, watering every single one of them and just showing off to Rachel. Did Jesus show off for us? Oh yeah, all the way to the cross. After watering the sheep, you know what he did? He went and he gave Rachel the biggest kiss. And then he volunteered to work seven years. Imagine what he would have said when seven years <coughs> excuse me, when seven years were up, he would have said, "It is finished." Isn't that what Jesus said? The Bible says he endured the cross because of the joy that was set before him. You and I are a joy to him. We're a pearl of great price for him. You and I are the ones he gave his life for, not just individually only, but as a bride. He wants that joy not just to see us in heaven somehow, some way, like the thief on the cross. He wants to build us together as a church. Can you say amen to that? That's the point. He wants to build us together. Who is that woman? She is the church. Not just any church, but a group of people that are joined together. 
Another final illustration, and I, this one could take a long time going through, but the story of Esther. Esther. They were doing, was there, wasn't there a TV show called Who's Going to Marry the Millionaire or something like that? Yeah. Well, they were find, trying to find a bride for the, a queen rather, to replace a previous queen there and marrying this king of Persia and Esther gets taken in, a lot of behind all of that. But the fact is, she had a cousin named Mordecai. And he had raised her. He had taken care of her from her youth. And when it came, came time, he's the one that gave her to Haggai. Haggai was the one in charge of all the virgins, all the women that would come. Haggai came. He was in charge of them. And he offered it. Haggai said, whatever you women want. We'll give it to you. You can have big earrings or lots of jewelry. You can wear the latest Jennifer Lopez dresses. And you can have high, whatever you want, women, you can get all dressed up in it. Get as fancy as you want. We'll give you anything. The king is going to give you anything you want. But when Esther came and he said, what do you want? I'll give you jewels, gold. The king has all the wardrobes. You can have anything you want. Esther says, doesn't matter to me. What makes the king happy? She didn't ask for anything extra. And Mordecai made sure that she submitted and surrendered herself. He knew that Haggai knew what the king liked. Mordecai, like a, like a pastor, those involved in ministry, their goal is to make sure the bride surrenders fully to the Holy Spirit. We're not here to, ministry is not here to give rules and regulations and establish principles. We're not here for that. We're here to get everybody connected with the Holy Spirit. Can you say amen? Okay. Well, there's a lot to say with all that. Let me just finish by saying, making four quick points. And then I want to go to this table because this table, and everybody say, thank you, Alice Brown. <laughs> this table is beautiful, isn't it? She had it in her heart to design something special because in a, next month we're going to be Actually, and I think Pastor wants to do this again next month also, the same layout. Uh, just remember, I think there's 12 cups here, uh, the bread. That last supper that Jesus had with his disciples, he says, I'm not going to eat this again with you until we eat it together in the kingdom. He's waiting for the marriage feast. And the purpose of all this, there's nothing in the bread, there's nothing in the cups, there's nothing in... nothing of anything and all of that. But there is something important in the idea of remembering. Jesus says, as often as you do this, do this in affectionate, Amplified Version says, in affectionate memory of me. Remember me. How many know we can get so caught up in church stuff, we forget. We get like Martha and we look around and we say, you know, why, why isn't so-and-so helping anymore? What's wrong? With, why am I the only one doing this stuff? Jesus, look at all that I'm doing, and they're not doing it. And we get all that stuff going on. And Jesus says, hey, Martha, calm down. Mary's doing the right thing here. Everybody has a different part to play. If you're in love with Jesus, you don't care who's doing more or less. It doesn't matter. That's the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant. And Jesus says the new covenant's being shown forth. You, the, this is the blood of the new covenant. Marriage is a covenant. The old covenant was based on uh, Moses, tell us what to do, we'll do it. We'll just follow the rules you give us here, you see. Like, like a maid in a house, she'll do everything she's told to do. But the new covenant's based on a relationship, it's based on Jesus Christ. It's based on getting married to him. Not a list of rules, but rather the Holy Spirit, like with Esther, writing upon the heart what God wants, what pleases him. Learning. For every one of us, it's a, it's a different journey, but the Holy Spirit teaches those things, not man. And there was uh, once a man who had a maid and his wife had passed away, so he was having her do all kinds of responsibilities now, and paying her more every week, giving her more each month to perform all these duties, taking care of the kids, driving them there, doing all this work for, for his family and cleaning the house and making the meals. And he was giving her more and more responsibilities, paying her more and more and more. Finally, he had an idea. If I marry her, I don't have to pay her anymore. <laughs> well, it's far more than that for you and I and Jesus. 
He wants us to understand that, that marriage relationship and not just individually married to him. This is something that only happens corporately. That's why it says when you partake of this, make sure you partake of it worthily. None of us are worthy. The worthiness is understanding what it's all about. Remembering, we're members one of another. Let me show four points up on the screen and we're going to, if the men can get ready for the communion. Um, some of the benefits of understanding this woman. Who is this woman? Who are you was last week. If we don't know that, we won't know who the woman is anyway. God's called us. Who is that woman? Well, first of all, understanding all this church stuff down here, there's an eternal purpose. It's just not some business enterprise going on. There is an eternal purpose. There's a song. I, I wrote the verse to that song on here. Uh, my pathway shines brighter when eternal my outlook. Pastor has on the sign out in front, the outlook is gloomy, but the uplook is, did you read it? The uplook is glorious. Another reason, another benefit is we can begin to elevate the gospel to something beyond just having your sins forgiven. Realizing God not only, not only wants to forgive sin, he wants to change. And how does he do that? By giving people the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul found some believers in Acts 19, and he looked at him. He says, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Look at your neighbor and ask that question. Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Well, they didn't know about all that. But that's a powerful experience, absolutely necessary for us to grow into all that God has for us. That's why it's part of the Great Commission. How great a salvation. Not only wanting to forgive our sins, but wants to change us to be worthy, to sit on the throne with Christ? Imagine that. Oh, our great need. We need each other. We can't even evangelize effectively until we realize our need for each other. Jesus says, if you have love one towards another, the people will know you are my disciples. We need each other. We, we can't even just... To, function what God's called us to function and we need each other we need gatherings together prayer time there's importance in praying individually but how many realize corporate prayer is powerful Song of Solomon is not a marriage counseling book although it can be used beautiful things there it's talking about Jesus and the bride the bridegroom in Song of Solomon says to the bride he says with one look of your eyes you make my heart beat faster. <laughs> when we look to him together, he's not talking about an individual, he's talking about us corporately as a church, together as we partake of this table, as we with holy, pure minds, remembering affectionately what Christ has done, when we partake of it like that today, we're going to make the heart of Jesus beat faster. How many would like to do that? Partaking in faith. I believe there's healing in the Lord's table. Not in the cup, not in the bread, but in the power of remembering what God has done. This is a special time, a holy time, an important time for us as a church to remember what Christ has done. Final point is oh, a longing for Jesus' return. Not just wanting to go to heaven because <laughs> I want to get out of this place. Not because of that. I'd like to have you all stand just for a moment as we prepare for communion. And we'll sit back down because we're used to taking communion like that. But if you just stand for a minute. And with, um, and if we could put 1 Corinthians 11 there. I want us to see what Paul said. I believe it's 1 Corinthians um, for the PowerPoint people there. 1 Corinthians 11, starting with verse 23. If we can put that in the amplified version. I want us to read these words together. And I believe, and, and I, I know Foursquare Church holds this to be true as well, that there is, there, there is power in the Lord's table. There's power of, uh, 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 there's healings that, take, that can take place. Do you, anybody here need a healing today? Yes. Healing in your body? 
a healing in your mind, a healing in a relationship. There's power. It's not the power of the cup, not the power of the bread. It's the power that's in Christ that was poured out on that cross for us 2,000 years ago. Let's read it together. Verse 23, For I received from the Lord that which also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night, yes, he took bread. Verse 24. Can we put that in the Amplified in verse 24? There we go. Thank you. Look at this. Read it with me. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this to call me affectionately to remembrance. You like that? I like that. Next verse. Similarly, when supper was ended, he took the cup also, saying, This cup is the new covenant ratified and established in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it to call me affectionately to remembrance. That's, what, that's the power in the Lord's table. That's what it means to partake of it worthily, affectionately remembering. His body was broken for us. The blood of the new covenants. Marriage is not a contract, although that's the way it's viewed today in the world. Marriage wasn't intended to be a contract. It's a covenant. It's a covenant that's until death do we part. The new covenant is no different. The real marriage. He wants to bring us into that, establish us more closely. And he's going to do that. I look forward for this coming week. Let's partake of the Lord's table here. And if you, you can, we'll pray and then sit down and we'll serve it, okay? And we'll, I want us to sing that song we sang at the end. I'm building the people of power. But Father, we pray right now, Lord, we ask your blessing in this place, Lord. We ask for your blessing to come, this power of the Holy Spirit to come and fill this place, fill hearts and minds that have heard the word today, Lord, with an affectionate remember, remembrance of what Christ has done for us. How with joy he endured the cross. That side that was pierced, that rib that was taken, and now Eve, the bride, the church, the ecclesia, the gathering of believers. Thank you for the power of your spirit moving as we remember, we remember today, Jesus, what you've done for us. Thank you for what you did on the cross. Thank you for that power of your love, demonstrating your love for us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing that song. You can be seated. And I'm making a people of praise that will move through this land by my spirit and will glorify my precious name. Build your church, Lord. Build your church, Lord. Make us strong, Lord. Join our hearts, Lord, through your Son. Make us one. Make us one, Lord, in your body, in the kingdom of your Son. I'm building. For I'm building a people of power. Yes, I'm making a people of praise that will move through.
through this land by my spirit and will glorify my precious as you partake of that bread tell him Lord build your church church Lord make us strong Lord join our hearts Lord through your son Make us one, Lord, in your body, in the kingdom of your son. Say it again. Build your church. Build your church, Lord. Make us strong, Lord. Join our hearts, Lord. Through your Son, make us one, Lord, in your body, in the kingdom of your Son. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we've partaken of your bread, the bread today, Lord. Remembering your body broken for us. Thank you, Lord. That same night he took the cup new covenant in my blood. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the cup, Lord. Join our hearts, Lord, through your Son. Make us one, Lord, in your body, in the kingdom of your Son. Oh, build your church, Lord. Make us strong, Lord. Join our hearts, Lord. Through your Son, make us one, Lord. In your body, in the kingdom of your Son. As you're partaking of that cup, just imagine Jesus his disciples, he really hadn't been teaching them any strategies or game plans because he knew they couldn't do anything anyway until they were filled with the Holy Spirit. In fact, before he sent them out, he said, just wait in Jerusalem. But imagine that night, what was in the heart of Jesus, the absolute love that he had, the absolute joy that was in his heart, knowing what was going to take place, that on that cross, that his side would be pierced for you and I, crucified, his blood shed, his body broken, that out of that one Adam, Adam, Jesus is called the last Adam, out of that one Adam, God would make two, with the ultimate goal of those two becoming one. Fall in love with Jesus today. Fall in love with the Lord today. Take the hand of the person next to you. And and just say today, I I, I need you. I need you. Tell the person next to you on your right and your left, I need you. Well, I think we're making a heart of beat, Jesus, beat faster, like it says in Song of Solomon. We need each other. 
the more joined we become, the more we allow him to fit these living stones together, pouring oil upon them as Jacob did with that rock that he found, Jesus is finding a people that's going to be his bride. Not just you and I that are here and alive today, but even those that have already, are already asleep in Jesus. When Jesus comes, those that are dead in Christ shall rise first, then you and I which remain will be caught up. Aren't you ready for, aren't you anxious for that day? And we can hasten his coming by getting more joined together, finding ways to work together, finding ways to reach the lost and bring them into this corporate bride of Christ. We can hasten his coming. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for your blessing upon this church that's been here so many decades, Lord. And the blessing that's here, the heritage that's here, the word that's gone from into this place and the word that's gone out of this place, Lord. Thank you for your work here in Dover Foursquare. But not only us, Lord. We know that you are building a church throughout the world, Lord, that we're being joined together with in a way we can't even understand in our minds, Lord. But your spirit is doing that, preparing those living stones to be part of that holy temple, part of that new Jerusalem, the bride of Christ. We want to be ready. Jesus, your word says that the spirit and the bride say come. So we're going to say that right now, Lord. Say it together. Come, Lord Jesus. Let's say it again. Come, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your blessing upon the church here today. Thank you, Lord, for healing, for salvation, for outpourings of your spirit for blessings of grace throughout this coming week. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for your interest in the Dover Foursquare Church. My prayer wish is that you have felt the presence of the Holy Spirit. It is our desire that our preaching and leading the congregation will always be word-centered and applicable to life. It is our desire that our worship be the pathway unto further transformation into the likeness of Jesus. With everything we do, our prayer is that we will rest in God's love and Christ's mighty work on the cross. We are blessed with a loving pastoral staff. Chris and Anna Ewing are pastors of our youth ministries. David and Marietta Slentz are pastors of our children's ministries. Our staff is eager to relate truth to life. All of the ministries interrelate, and we desire to give place to the flow of God's grace at all times. Our church address is 302 East Slingluff Avenue, Dover, Ohio. And our church phone number is 330-343-6142. Our website address is www.doverfoursquare.org.